Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. For Anne Schlafly Corey, Phyllis Schlafly isn't just the grassroots warrior who stopped the Equal Rights Amendment. She was also mom. Anne was one of the six Schlafly kids growing up in Alton, Illinois, even as their mother became a political force. Today, Anne lives in St. Louis, and she is also chair of the organization that her mother founded, the Eagle Forum. She's joining us to share her thoughts on what it's like to see her mother back in the headlines three years after her death, and to remember the Phyllis Schlafly that she knew. So, Anne, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sarah. So how did you first learn that there was going to be this star-studded FX series about your mother? Well, there's been a lot of publicity about it over the last year and a half as they uh, announced each star who was going to play the significant roles. And they, they've They've done a lot to uh, really push and publicize uh, this story. And did you reach out at any point? It, It sounds like they did not contact you before they got started on this. Did you try to contact them? I did. I tried to contact them many times, but I found that there was no interest in hearing uh, the story from my point of view, and this was total silence. I think they already had an idea and a mission and an agenda in the in what they wanted to put across uh, about my mother, and unfortunately, I don't think it was evidence-based. Hmm. By you reaching out, um, were you hoping to shape where it went, or, or what was your goal in making a connection with them? Well, they're putting on a fictional drama, so they can take a great deal of liberties with the story of my mother's work. And I was hoping that they would be interested in what actually happened as opposed to um, the storyline that they wanted to develop. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you haven't been able to see the show yet. They're only sharing very limited screeners with the media at this point. So I feel like you're a little bit at a disadvantage in this conversation. I've seen one episode you haven't. But based on what you've heard, I understand you do have some concerns. What are they at this point? I have some concerns that they are trying to portray my mother as a monster, and she wasn't, because my mother led a movement, and the, the, she was able to succeed as a leader of women because women admired her, women were inspired by her, and she, and she mentored so many women to do extraordinary things. A couple of years ago, there was an article that was published in Washington called, Where is the Phyllis Schlafly of Our Time? And here's the difference. In the 1970s, there was only one woman speaking out on the issues that conservative women were interested in. But today, there are hundreds and thousands of women who have organizations who speak out on these issues and who are very involved. I mean, her her leadership really blossomed a lot of women who got involved in the issues that were most concerning to them. So she was sort of ahead of her time in being a voice for conservative women back when maybe people didn't even realize there were so many conservative women. That's right. I mean, when you, the media and the culture is dominated by the coasts, and the coasts often miss the stories that happen in flyover land. And because because my mother was from the heartland, she knew the stories of, of the women in the heartland. 
Hmm. Now, I will say I've only seen um, just the first episode in this multi-part series, but I did find myself just feeling some great sympathy for your mother. She came across as ambitious and so smart, but then she also had these obligations that come with being a mother and, and in her case, having six kids. And in the show, they sort of painted this as the reason that she didn't run for Congress again, that it would have been impossible to move to D.C. because she had these obligations back in Alton. Uh, Do you think she had mixed feelings about motherhood and about being tied to the Midwest as opposed to having some glorious career in in Washington? No, she never had mixed feelings about motherhood. She always considered motherhood to be her most important job and the one that she most relished. She, she, She loved mothering six children. I mean, that's what, what's what she really enjoyed doing. Now, yes, she was interested and involved in politics, um, but, um, but did she, but I think she actually had more power and influence because she didn't move to Washington. Hmm. I often think that if she had won her race for Congress, she would have just been one of 435 members trying to speak. But because she kept her position as an outsider, her voice was actually more influential and more widely heard. And I think her career was longer as, as, um, as an influencer in politics because she was outside the cesspool of Washington, D.C., Hmm. Now, I had asked Davi Waller, the showrunner, if she thought your mother's life would have been different if she had been born into a different generation. And Davi said she could see her being a very successful congresswoman. I want to ask you the same question as someone who lived in the same house with Phyllis Schlafly for, for so many years. Do you think if she had been born into your generation instead of her own, she would have done something different with her life? I think she would have still have gotten married and raised a family. Hmm. Now, would she would she have actually taken a position uh, in an organization um, or in Washington D.C. or had a political position or a, an elected office? I think she was too independent to be successful in that. Even if she. Um, had moved to Washington, I don't think it would have been a happy life for her because she thrived on her independent voice. She thrived that no one could tell her what to do or say. Uh, and that she often said the only person in her life she had to please was her husband. She didn't have to please, you know, she didn't um, a, a group of congressmen or, a, or, a, or any other organizations. She had the freedom to say and do what she wanted. And I think she valued that very much. Hmm. You also mentioned to me that your mother was extremely frugal. And as we see portrayed on the show, um, my sense has been that, that your family was, was pretty affluent. Where did that frugality come from? My mother grew up in the Great Depression, and she actually worked her way through college uh, with a full-time job in a manual labor uh, factory. And then she... Um, um, and and then she you know worked for several years before getting married, uh, and so she always uh, she I, she always rubbed her nickels together before spending them. She was uh, she she understood the value of money. <laughs> so that part of the show, they do kind of hint at that there that she was frugal. It sounds like that's accurate. What do you feel about that caricature of your mother that's out there in the public eye that that maybe is just not at all true to your experience? I think the caricature that I'm worried that they are pushing is that she was mean. 
Hmm. And that is, or cold, and that she was not, um, because she mentored so many women. You know, this show has a fictional character, and my understanding is that the arc of that uh, storyline is that the fictional character becomes disillusioned uh, with the work that Phyllis Schlafly is doing. Hmm. And that never happened. Um, I mean, the the loyalty and um, that not only the people who worked for my mother, but the people who volunteered for my mother, you know, that those women are, are they're so loyal today to the work that she did. And they're loyal because they always felt that Phyllis Schlafly had integrity. She, she looked you straight in the eye and she told you exactly what she thought and believed. She never quibbled or tried to um, parse her words. She, you always knew where you stood and you always knew where she stood. Hmm. Now, one one part of the show that I was very curious about getting your take on um, is your aunt Eleanor, and I understand she is a real person. Eleanor Schlafly was your father's sister. Um, she's portrayed on the show by Jean Triplehorn, who's you know obviously a very glamorous Hollywood star, but in the show she seems a little bit sad and and maybe a bit frumpy. She seems very sad about being single, and she's hoping that your parents would introduce her to a nice man. I'm wondering, was that the real Eleanor Schlafly? No, and I think there are many St. Louisans who had experience with the real Eleanor Schlafly, who was glamorous, socially active, and had many boyfriends throughout her life. And uh, and and she was she was a party girl who used her house for multitude of entertaining. She ran her own organization, and she was a force to be reckoned with. I, I think Eleanor Schlafly was, was quite, cut quite a figure in St. Louis society and, and was well-known and well-loved by a multitude of people in St. Louis. So this was not somebody who would have needed your father, say, to set her up with a colleague or, or something like that? Uh, no, no. I, Eleanor Schlafly had a wide social group throughout her long life. She died a couple of years ago at age ninety-eight, and her, um, I, she was she she was quite uh, glamorous and entertaining and witty, and she was quite an athlete too. So, hmm. I I think. Um, I, I think um, uh, her her brother in Alton, Illinois, did not have quite the social life that his younger sister in 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 Ladue had. Hmm. So that's the the Hollywood version what we're seeing in Mrs. America, and we're talking today to Anne Schlafly Corey. She is the daughter of Phyllis Schlafly, who's now portrayed in this new series that Anne really wants to stress is a fictional view of their family. Um, and this series seems to hint at some tension between your aunt Eleanor and your mother. Once Phyllis takes on the ERA, that that your mother Phyllis made some comments about how the feminists were mad because they couldn't get a man, and because Eleanor was an unmarried woman, that that she found this hurtful. Did you ever witness anything along those lines? Um, just tension on that subject of of unmarried women? No, I don't believe so. I I think that uh, Eleanor and Phyllis were aligned on all the political issues, as they were with. Fred, uh, her Eleanor's brother and, and Phyllis's husband was Fred. And the three of them, I never saw them disagree on any any issue that I can remember of. They they really worked in concert on many issues together. And I believe that the series tries to show a a 
contentious marriage between Fred and Phyllis, and that could not be further from the truth. In fact, um, my father used to like to quip, I regret that I have only one wife to give to my country. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good joke. I have to give your dad credit for that. Um, well, he was, he was a man who had a real sense of humor because he was often called Mr. Phyllis, and he took it in stride and enjoyed it. He wasn't bothered by that at all, that his wife Not was such a all. force? Oh, he, he, his buttons burst every time she, was, uh, she got the notoriety and publicity because he felt it was helpful to their, to their joint cause. Huh. In some ways, was he a man ahead of his time, that, that he was so proud of having such a powerful wife? I, I think that uh, they, were, they had a marriage that was quite unified in their philosophical outlook, their intellectual curiosity, and their spiritual basis. Hmm. Now, there's one thing I want to make sure to ask you about today, and that is for Davi Waller, uh, the showrunner of this uh, Mrs. America, the the sort of fictionalized version of of your mother's life. She said she was most intrigued by your mother's pivot from being somebody who was interested in international affairs and working on nuclear arms issues to suddenly being interested in stopping the Equal Rights Amendment, that she found this this change um, very interesting. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. What led your mother from one cause to the other. She actually believed it was the same cause because she was interested in the uh, the United States having a strong military. What she saw at the beginning from the very get-go of the Equal Rights Amendment is that it required women to be drafted and women to be put in the front lines of combat duty. And she felt that that would undermine the, the strength and superiority of the American military forces to to require women on the front lines. Because as she always said, there's no army, the American army is going to fight where women are on the front lines. And that would put our military at a significant physical disadvantage if we were required to have women on the front lines of the military. And it was because of her interest in a strong military force that she was against the Equal Rights Amendment. Hmm. So you feel like this wasn't a pivot at all, that one thing led to the next pretty smoothly. Oh, yes. She often talked about it. Now, there is now this movement to bring back the ERA and to try to get ratification from the final states to make this the law of the land. I know you're now running the Eagle Forum. Is that movement something that's high on your agenda, trying to stop that? Well, I think it's important that people understand why ERA failed in the 1970s, because the more people learned about the implications of it, the more they opposed it. I mean, the Equal rights sounds so good until you find out how harmful it would be to women in so many situations. But I defer to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who recently said that the only way to put ERA in the Constitution today would be to start the ratification process anew and to have a supermajority of Congress ratify and a supermajority of states ratify it. Because any time we amend the Constitution, it should be something that the vast majority of Americans are aware of, and they want to do it. To 
sneak it in through the back door with votes cast more than 40 years ago is a cheat on our constitutional system. Hmm. Now, Anne, I know that you're not super thrilled about this Mrs. America, and that's that's one of the reasons that you wanted to talk to us today. But on any level, do you think it is a good thing uh, to see your mother's life getting this attention now all over again in, in our present day? Well, I don't think it's a good thing if they make her into a monster, um, because that's not historically accurate and not based in any evidence. And I think And I think that an attack on her is really an attack on any woman who espouses conservative beliefs in the United States. Because of the portrayal in this movie is that there are all these women on the other side who want this and this one woman who is opposed to them. Well, Phyllis Schlafly succeeded because a multitude of women... Listened to what she had to say and responded to her, and her and her views resonated with them. Will you be watching the series when it premieres next week? I do. I do plan to watch it, and in fact, I've scheduled a Facebook watch party so I can live have some live time streaming of of responses to some of the uh, inaccuracies that I see that are likely to be in this uh, movie, like the idea that she. Um, you know, there's one in there. I've seen a clip of one scene where she is asked to take notes for a bunch of men, and I researched that actual event, and it didn't happen. It's mm-hmm. a fictional event. And so you'll be putting all this up there in, in, on Facebook as you're watching it. Um, is this the Eagle Forum's Facebook page? Is this a personal page? or This is the Eagle Forum Facebook page on April 15th, which is when they're releasing it. We're going to do it at 2 p.m. Okay, so 2 p.m. on April 15th. If you want to hear more of Anne schlafly Corey's thoughts on this, that's where to go. Well, Anne, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sarah. And Anne schlafly Corey is the chairman of the Eagle Forum. And again, she's also the daughter of Phyllis Schlafly. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.